Hello, fellow nerds. Come in, come in to our cozy living room. The tea is on, the pillows are plumped, and it's time to get down to the important business of fangirling. I'm Heather. And I'm Stacy. Welcome to Free the Squee, a podcast that puts pop culture on the therapy couch for our enjoyment and hopefully yours too. Please feel free to take our advice on what to watch, but please don't take it as professional advice. A pop culture podcast is no substitute for actual therapy. She says it's her dream. It's her passion. <laughs> That's passion? Give me a break. Well, I'm going to be in rock and roll whether you two like it or not. How shall be. Hey, Stacey. Hey, Heather. Dolly Parton has a new album out called Rockstar. Yes. It is so good. I have not listened, so tell me. Tell me all the things. So it's just just in case someone's had their head in a bush. <laughs> um, she got nominated a couple years ago for the um, what the Rockstar Hall of Fame. No, what was it? The Rockstar Hall of Fame? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I knew it yes. was not Rockstar Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes. Sorry. And she was like, thank you, but I'm not a rock star, so no thank you. And everyone flipped out. I do remember that. And basically it was too late for her to back out. Yeah. Um, and they inducted her. Yes. But she seemed to have taken it as a personal challenge. <laughs> go, Dolly, go. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Go, Dolly, go. And, um, and sounds like she had always had a fantasy of being a rock star because, you know, Why hasn't not? done enough. Right. Um, so she put together this album that we've all been highly anticipating if we like Dolly. Yeah. Who doesn't like, well, I'm sure there are people, but honestly, who doesn't like Dolly? Right. Not just for Dolly, but to to hear her do something really different and to see her, you know, um, take off in a new direction, but also because she partnered, she is partnering with the greats of all the greats. Like, yes. Talking like Beatles greats. Like, yes. Paul and Ringo, man. She did, she did a number with Paul and Ringo. So, so highly anticipated. She dropped, you know, as they do these days, a few songs came out. Yeah. All of them were killer. Yeah. And then, and are they remakes? Aren't they like re, mm, remakes or re, I want to say retellings? Which maybe that's the right word because like she took songs that were by those original artists and, and then did, did and collab with them, yeah, did right. collaborations, but with sort of them. her own twist, I guess. Yes, which is why retelling is what what comes to mind. It is. Like, I think a retelling is a really nice word yeah. to use for them. Actually, I mean they're completely new because it's new arrangements. And right. It's not just a cover. No, it's not a cover. It's right. a whole new deal with them. I mean, yeah. obviously these artists are much older, except Miley. She does one. She does right. um, Wrecking Ball with Miley. But even that is actually one of the ones that really stuck out for me. I love that song. Yeah. I really like Miley. Me too. What what is so remarkable about that song is one, you know, if you don't know, they have a special relationship. Dolly is Miley's godmother. Uh Uh-huh. And Dolly opens that song. And Dolly's interpretation of the first verse 
is so mm-hmm. different than Miley's, but so nuanced and experienced. Yeah. And kind of amazing that she completely changes the song. I love when artists do this. I Go on. I want to hear your thoughts. No, keep going. So like Tori Amos did an album like this where there were covers of songs, but sometimes there were songs that were originally sung by a man's voice. And to hear a story, for example, about women or female characters sung by a woman, it's a different experience of the song. It really changes the meaning. Yeah. So this wrecking ball and having dolly's interpretation of yeah. those words of especially as the first verse really just changes the song absolutely so it's very cool but then she does so <laughs> she and pink and brandy carlisle do <gasps> i can't get no satisfaction oh my gosh it's amazing. um so there's just it's just a delight and there i think there's such a depth to it and a history to it. Yeah. And there just was, I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I have friends that podcast on music and they yeah. could probably talk a lot more about the whys and the hows that it felt so meaningful. But to me, it just kind of brought tears to my eyes. Yeah. Not because I was appreciating the artistry so much, but there was just some, there was just um a weightiness to it that felt really important. So I don't know why, but it just is an amazing album. If you haven't heard it, you should go listen. It's, so first of all, I'm totally going to, and I, I will tell you why in a moment. It occurs to me that as you're talking about her, she really spans generations. Like there's multiple cohorts so many generations. who have an experience of Dolly. Uh, nine to five Dolly is right. my Dolly, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, and then more recent, and Jolene also, I have a lot of attachment to that particular mm-hmm. song. Um but nine to five as in the movie, not just the song. Right. I have a lot of uh, connection with that character and what that film was about and when it came out. Um, but I do think she really spans generations and genres mm-hmm. in a way that not that many artists do. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that when you're talking about her and she's done, if she's doing collaborations with artists from the Beatles to Miley Cyrus, like again, across genres, across generations and cohorts. Yeah. So different people are interacting with all of the layers of an album like that. So speaking of interacting with that, so my dad is a big music fan. Like there are many, many record albums in like lawyers' bookcases in the uh, foyer to my parents' home. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thousands of albums. Like he's been, he was in a band when he was in high school. Like he's been into music forever, plays guitar, sings, the whole deal. And he told me about her album and I was very excited and I was like, I'm going to listen. He says, you should, because Simon Le Bon does a song with her. He does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. I totally should have ping. I don't, I'm so do, sorry. Yes. Dear listeners, do you know who Simon is? <laughs> that would be the lead singer of Duran Duran. <laughs> and if there is um, a- Bells are ringing. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> bells are ringing in my very body, in my soul. I have been a little Duran girl since the early 80s. Yeah. Yes, I am that person who, when you mention something about their first album, I'm like, do you mean the American release or the UK release? <laughs> what do you mean? Right. I'm the person who sees them uh, perform live and there's a song. And I'm like, oh, that's the B-side to whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And people next to me look at me like, OK, except that's not true because people next to me who are still seeing Duran Duran in 2022 
know exactly the exactly. same things that I know and are yeah. also very excited. Yes. Speaking yes, of yes, fandoms. Yes, yes. So, yes. So my dad was like, you should listen. Mm -hmm. uh, the entire album is good. And that song is good. Mm -hmm. Actually, as a side note, shout out to my dad. My dad is the one who told me that Johnny Cash did an album similar to this where he covered a bunch of songs and covered Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. And that was incredibly popular when that came out. A very dark and different take on that song. Huh. Not that it's not a dark song already. It is a night. Trent. <laughs> love of my life, Trent. Um, it is a dark song already, but it is differently dark when Johnny Cash sings it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that man had a dark soul. Yeah. yeah. So, but I love the idea of this album. I love the idea of collaborations more than covers, if that makes sense. Yes. And kind of a retelling. Totally. of a piece of music in time and history. Yeah, totally recommend it. Yeah. When I find myself in times of trouble Mother Mary comes to me Speaking words of wisdom Let it be And in my hour of darkness She is standing right in front of me Speaking words of wisdom, let it be, 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 whisper words of wisdom. Let it be. Hey, Stacy. Guess where I went. Uh, I know where you went. Okay, just say. You went to New Orleans. I did. I went to New Orleans and I had never been. You'd never been to New Orleans? I had never been. I didn't know this was your first time because that city is amazing. Wild. Treasure. Yeah. One so of our you treasures. Have been I have been. I have a good friend times. who um who lived there. Uh have I been there multiple times? I I want to say I've been there twice. That could be a lie. Oh, I have been there twice. Yes, I have some family there, but I, we've only visited them once. And then um, I have a friend who used to live there, so I visited her. I went there for a convention once. Question. Did you do the touristy things in New Orleans, in the French Quarter, do like the above-ground cemeteries or any of those no, kinds of things? No, not really, because I was there for people who with people who live there. So we did a little bit, but yes. it was more of like what the people who live there do. Right. Right. So I did Café du Monde, and I wandered around the French Quarter, and I... Got a voodoo doll. And I mean, I did some of that, but we also went to the real jazz and ate in yeah. the places where there's the real food and that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So I went for a conference. I went for the Quad S conference, which is the. Which is what? Uh, yeah. Wait, an acronym? Psychology like, has an acronym? For like sports? What? Quad it S? is the Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality. Ooh, okay. Sounds so, cool. since we're podcasting, if that is too many S's, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's an hour of editing right that there, is. but thank you very much. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So it's called Quad S, um, and it's actually really interesting as a side, side note, primary note. So the reason I went was to go to this conference really cool, really taps into a lot of what I do professionally. Um, and it was interesting because it is a research conference. So there were some clinicians there, but not a ton. Most of the people presenting are presenting research. So I uh, operate clinically in what I would call like a scientist practitioner model. So I'm really conscious of staying up to date on the literature to bring that into clients, right? Mm -hmm, right. So that I'm current with what's happening in our field. So it was really neat to go to a conference that was all about things around sexuality. Um, 
across a broad spectrum, spectrum, identity, all sorts of things. So point being, the reason I'm in New Orleans is this very fancy doctor conference, um, except I'm also a fangirl in New Orleans. <laughs> are there, is it possible that there are things, monstery-like things, that have a kind of mythology related so, to New Orleans so that there you might, might like? There possibly might be this be vampire story. A vampire story? Are you sure? <laughs> That was recently just redone on TV, maybe. So here's the thing. That we might have waited hours in line for at Comic-Con to get to see their Their off-site activation. Okay, so here's the intersection in my wee brain. (laughs) Let Let me set the stage. Okay. So conferences for people who have not been to them, at least within psychology and mental health, there's like plenary talks and there's a lot of talks during the day. There's usually not there's as much. There's a lot of talks. There's a lot of people talking and many, <sighs> many PowerPoint presentations. It's a lot of sitting in hotels, in conference rooms with no windows. No windows and, and it's freezing. Freezing cold. <laughs> and there's no food. Correct. It's just cold water and cold air and cold tables. Yes. So I needed to go outside really bad. And they give, there's like little breaks. So I found like this two hour window and there were, there's two places that I toured, but I want to talk about the, the first one okay. first, because it's the most exciting for me. So I found a window to go to the Gallier house. It's the G-A-L-L-I-E-R house. I will put a link. We'll put a link Excellent. in our notes. Excellent. And it is a house that was built by Gallier as the uh, architect's last name, 1860. So it's this really incredible home that they have restored to the time that it was built. It has um, a all of the out all the outdoor metalwork is that Paris green color, you know, without the arsenic in the paint of the time. But you know, it's beautiful. The reason I needed to go to this particular house is that there is a there are several scenes and an outdoor shot from the twenty 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 two version of Interview with a Vampire on AMC. That were shot at this house. I can see it in my mind's eye. I know exactly which house it is. Okay. Yeah. So when all of the like uh, voodoo dolls are left and all the offerings are left in front of the doors, those two doors, that is the front of this house. There is a scene, I'm pretty sure it's Lestat that walks down the stairs, this incredible wooden banister staircase, also shot in this home. So it's maybe, I don't know, five minutes of footage. I ran from the conference center <laughs> i can totally see you do that like shin splints level running because <laughs> you only had two hours i only had two hours to a tour i had set up in advance in uh-huh. order to get there i ran and it's it was far it's like a 15 minute walk because oh. i think it's important to state that you are a good girl and you're not going to leave your conference early no you're not going to miss no. a talk you're going to go to the whole dang conference yes which I would not have done. I would have been like, see ya. So I run to this random like midday tour. I am the only person on the tour. Oh, that's kind of fun tour and of awkward. Fun, fun and, and awkward. awkward. Yeah. Especially awkward because she's telling me a lot of amazing things about this house. And don't get me wrong. At an intellectual level, this is fascinating. I took a bunch of pictures. Super interesting to learn about like how important wallpaper was and that there were big designers and the first like they had like a copper tub with actual hot water which was a big deal all of these things are really cool none of which you care about at the moment no 
You just want to be like, where'd they shoot this where scene? Where did they shoot the scene? Can I please take pictures? Will you please stop talking so I can visualize the vampire walking down the staircase toward me? Talk to me about pop culture now, please. That is what I wanted from this experience. And I got it. Ooh, did, did you get it? get that. So mostly it was a little bit of me Googling, a little bit of me asking the right questions for her to tell me where they had filmed which pieces. Oh, good. And that there were other areas in town, another home that I did not have an opportunity to tour where they'd filmed another piece of the show. Oh, that's cool. However, one of my favorite parts was taking a selfie in front of this um, home and sending it to my younger spawn who freaked out. Of course she did. Oh my God. There must have been just like, I can just see the text. So many exclamation points. And emojis. So many capital letters. Capital letters. <laughs> and that joy, that was so worth it. It was so worth it to be there. It was, and, and it is really, it really objectively is a beautiful, beautiful home. And it's incredible the amount of work they've done to restore it. Um, but this, for me, like the, when I heard the conference was in New Orleans, I will not lie. Part of me is like, wow, this is really good for my career and the connections will be appropriate and fantastic. And also, yeah, so that happened. I'm impressed. I think it shows great professionalism and restraint that your first thought was for your career and then the squeeing, though maybe it's possible that's not exactly the order that it occurred that in. Might not. My <laughs> first thought, my first thought, totally. Truthfully? Yeah. Beignets. Oh, for sure. My first thought was Tiana. <laughs> of course your first thought was Tiana. <laughs> and beignets. <laughs> well, and, and Big Daddy eating beignets. <laughs> well, you That's know, it. what's funny is I'm sure there's better chicory coffee and beignets in New Orleans. I'm sure there is. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, as much as Café du Monde is a tourist trap, they have kick-ass Café mm -hmm. Olay and beignets. Yes. They really do. It's amazing. Yes. And I went to Café Beignet, actually, which also had incredible beignets. I will say, though, I had to be really careful. If you've never eaten... So beignet, if you don't know, is essentially a, a powdered a donut. sugar donut. But it has a lot of powdered sugar on it. And you have to eat it very carefully or you end up with a great deal of snow across <laughs> your chest. So I had to eat like leaning over in this very <laughs> awkward position because I did have to go back into the meetings and I didn't want to be covered in evidence of beignet, <laughs> like a crime scene of a donut across the entire <laughs> front of my body. So, okay. So that was my first, that's my first New Orleans story. My second New Orleans story is, okay, again, I am intellectually aware. This is a center of culture. There's many people who live and work in New Orleans. It's a whole real city and a whole real state. I As opposed went. to, like, just a place that Disney made up to put in their movies. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> here's the thing. <laughs> so I went to the above-ground cemetery tour at uh, St. Louis Cemetery Number 1. There are several. There's a lot of different above-ground cemeteries for reasons that have to do with sea level and where New Orleans is. There. So the tombs, like, I understand... I, into again intellectually aware of why the tombs are built how they are etc but i look across and there are places where the stucco so the brick 
material, what they built most of the bricks out of is local to New Orleans, and it disintegrates pretty easily over time. Actually, ecosystem-wise makes sense. But what that means is when they built buildings, there's often stucco overlaying the bricks. So there are places where when the building ages, the stucco falls away. You can see the bricks behind. Okay. Ergo, yes, I know. Yeah. Go ahead. So, <laughs> okay. So you know the haunted mansion. Yeah. Is it Disney or is it real? So this is what's happening for me. <laughs> So there's tombs and I can visualize in my head that one scene in Haunted Mansion with the little animatronic <laughs> hand that's swinging back and forth with the little like to move the mortar. What is that? A trowel, I guess. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, it's just like Disneyland. It looks just like Haunted Mansion. Did they my head? Did they make this cemetery look just like Haunted Mansion? <laughs> Okay, Aww. I understand the order of operations is incorrect. You do, you do. Okay. I do. Good. But the degree to which haunted, in reality, haunted mansion looks like this is what was striking. Yeah. And not only that, but I don't think I realized that those tombs are supposed to look like a real thing that exists. In my head, that's just the haunted mansion ride. Got it. And yeah. it looks like that. Yeah. Not there are actual places that look like this that we have replicated that you might enjoy in our sort of roller coasterist ride. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've watched any of the um, documentary historical stuff on the Disney Channel. They've no. got some really, really interesting BAM documentary. They have a whole series on constructing all the rides that's actually, not surprisingly, really well done. Um, and back in the day, even currently, they are – very concerned with authenticity in a way that kind of twists your head up, right? Because uh -huh. it's anything but authentic, but yet it is. Right. Right? So so the detail they went to, the research they go to when they're recreating something as opposed to making something completely up, right. like the under the sea ride. Right, which exactly. Is not supposed to what it looks like under the ocean. <laughs> to the best of our knowledge, correct. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, yes. But yeah, it's really they they really were quite um fanatical about getting the yeah. details right. But isn't it weird that those of us now, I mean, we're 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 just we're as old as Disneyland. I mean, we're a little yeah. just just ever so slightly younger, Correct. actually. Which means we've spent our whole lives. Yeah, and you has... as an LA person spent your entire life Exactly. as has my daughter. Yes. Uh, and your kids going to this place. Yeah, it has always existed for me. My experience is that there right. have always been a Disneyland. So it's realer to you uh -huh. than the places it copied. It's uh -huh. so weird. Exactly. And that so I had like as much as I use the humor about it, I really do understand that New Orleans existed first. Please, dear listeners, know that I believe that. <laughs> However, it was so interesting to have this emotional experience that mm -hmm. was like, oh, it looks just like Disneyland. Wow, that's so neat that that's because that's my reference point. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. the mind's a funny place, huh? And it is. And the, the other pieces, the aesthetics. New Orleans is beautiful. So beautiful. Like there is such a look to everything, at least to be fair, very limited experience of New Orleans. Literally the French Quarter surrounding areas a little bit of the warehouse district and where this hotel was um and i guess the airport not a lot of disney at the airport but the point's the same didn't experience that much of new orleans but those pieces of what um where what has been replicated was really strikingly beautiful place i think um you know we have a few cities that are just so exceptionally unique yeah. in this country we have a, you know a 
of our cities are fine and different, but New Orleans um, is such a jewel. Yeah. And it's why Katrina was so mm-hmm. utterly, I mean, Katrina was so devastating for so many, 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 many reasons. Yeah. Uh, the human, you know, so many reasons. All those images are still so burned in our brain. Yeah. Um, and down on the list, after the the toll on human life and the suffering and all of that that happened, but the law, you know, the the threatening, the way that this jewel of culture uh, was threatened to, yeah. um, you know, and is still struggling to repair in mm-hmm. so many places. But um, and then struck by Ida just recently. Mm-hmm. Also, right, there right. was a lot of conversation about that because there's still um, relatively current damage that they're managing mm-hmm. from Ida, which yeah. is not that long ago at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah. everyone who has the ability and resources and privilege to be able to visit New Orleans should because it's it's just really it was really a remarkable place. place. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so you glad know, you got to visit. You can see where Lestat walked down some stairs. <laughs> Which for the pop culture fangirl heart is pretty cool. Correct. Hello. Hello, Stacy. Hello, Heather. So what's happening today? We have something very special happening on Free the Squeak today. We do? Is there like a third person in the room? There's a third person <laughs> in the room. We have a special guest who we have often spoken about, but never spoken to on Which the podcast. Which is a very different thing. It is. <laughs> I would hope so, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay, so who's our special guest? Our special guest has a title. Our special guest is Younger Spawn. Younger Spawn! Also known as Michaela. Hi. Welcome to Free the Squee. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Michaela and I use she, her pronouns. What else about you? <laughs> Say more. Who are you? Other um, than Younger Spawn. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, Younger Spawn. Most important title. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I am currently, I'm a senior at UC Santa Barbara. Impressive. Um, thank you. And I'm getting my bachelor's degree in writing and literature, and I have a double minor in theater production and design and professional editing. Ooh, very cool. Yeah. So I have a lot of feelings about storytelling, and so I'm so excited to be here. This is so exciting. Well, we're excited to have you, and I know we're, you are here to talk about some topics near and de- dear yes. to your heart, uh, apropos to today's this conversation right now, which is Mr. Percy Jackson. Yes. Why are you so excited about Percy Jackson? Oh, there's so many reasons. Um, So Percy Jackson was the first book series that I read when I was in kindergarten at like five or six, um, and it was the first book series that I read that made me want to write Um, Mm -hmm. So for a long time, I wanted to be an author. And then um, I realized that I wanted to go more into helping other people write their stories. And I wanted to support in more of like a supporting role. Um, But it is the series that made me want to get into publishing. Um, So this past summer, I was in New York, which was very exciting because that's where a lot of Percy Jackson takes place. Um, but I was in New York doing a publishing internship, so it really, it really came full circle. Um, and I did get to go to the Empire State Building. Oh my gosh! Um, and it was, it was such an exciting moment for me. I like can't, I can't talk. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's the series that made me um, sort of figure out what I want to do and who I want to be um, as a person. 
and then just thematically the ideas in the story and sort of ideas about being seen and being cared about and um being valued for who you are and what you can do for yourself and for others are just so important to me and also it's so cool like the premise of percy jackson is just absolutely wonderful um so yeah literature like that is so meaningful it's almost like when especially when you start reading when you're really young because you started reading these when you were like a baby essentially yeah just a little six or something right yeah so when you start reading stories like this especially ones that encompass how many Percy Jackson books are there? So there's five in the first series, and then there is a secondary arc that's called The Heroes of Olympus, and there's five in that series as so well. So 10 books over a period of what, 15 oh. years or something? Yeah. yeah. Right? So these took you, these books took you throughout your childhood and adolescence. Yes. Yeah? And so it's almost like I think they become like a seed that gets planted in your identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they're so important to you and they, I think they literally become part of who you are yeah. as a person. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think they're so special. And I think what's fun about Percy Jackson is it is based around Greek mythology. Um, and so there's an element of storytelling that's being continued through like hundreds and hundreds of years. So I think part of what makes it special is that you know that these stories have been impacting people for so long. So you kind of get to be part of this tradition of storytelling in a really, really wonderful way, um, which I think just adds another layer to that. Stacey, do you want to say something? Because clearly Michaela and I could just keep going on forever, but let me give you a chance here. Also, I'm like listening and just nodding and nodding, which is less visible on a podcast. <laughs> Not as helpful. But yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying. you said that because it's true. It is true. Um, I think the thing that's particularly striking for me about Percy Jackson and frankly, most of Rick Riordan's work, because I've read most of the series mm-hmm. not just Percy Jackson I assume also is true for you Michaela. yes yeah so is when he talks so much is perspective taking of youth so like Percy Jackson's character is 12 mm-hmm. at the beginning and it really is the voice of a 12 year old because sometimes stories that are written for children are not always written in the voice of the 12 year old or the voice of YA as they age up um, but I really feel like these are some of the ways they resolve conflicts, the ways they talk to each other, but with a great deal of like empathy and growth and connection. And so that is why I love them. Plus, you know, cool monsters and funny chapter titles. Cool monsters. Oh, the chapter titles are absolutely fantastic. And that's another element of the uh, the new Disney Plus adaptation, um, which is a new TV show that's coming out. Um, all of the episode titles are the chapter titles from oh, the book. That's funny, and it's so good. And they really, they really hold up, even though these they books do. were written in the like early two thousands, and they're still hilarious. Like for example, mm-hmm. can we we could do a spoiler? I think because it is just a little a teeny spoiler because the title is visible even if someone hasn't watched. Well, and as of airing, I mean, as of a recording. Three episodes have yes. aired. The first three episodes of season one so have aired. Just for example, what's the title of the most recent episode, the third one? The most recent episode is called We Visit the Garden Gnome Emporium. Yes. So like little statues <laughs> of things. Uh-huh. Might statues or uh, frozen people frozen reference any particular Greek mythological character? They just might. I, I'm hearing some hissing in our background. Some perhaps. hissing, but we can't see the eyes. <laughs> no, definitely not. Maybe a gorgon. Maybe perhaps. Maybe, you know. <laughs> Maybe Medusa. Maybe. There might be a hat on someone's head. There might. <laughs> so that kind of stuff is just sort of joyful because it's like a hint and it's playful. And then you're like, oh, I get the joke. 
you know, I was probably too old for the books when they came out. Uh, I, so I never really bonded with them, but I'm really enjoying the TV show, um, a lot. So I'm completely down looking forward to, it will be one of those shows I watch on Disney plus when the episodes drop. So, yeah. So Younger Spawn, it was just a regular day when we watched, right? Nothing special happened. Oh, well, Uh, no, I know (laughs) your household. That is one that is just a flat out lie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was like red circled on the calendar and special plans were made. Did you cosplay? Was there an, a menu? I mean, there was a menu. <laughs> there was I a did. menu. There was a menu. Uh, just a little bit of celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I certainly hadn't been counting down the days or anything. Wait, 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 what's the menu? I want to know what the menu was. So in Percy Jackson, there is an ongoing joke. Um, between Percy and his mom around blue foods because at the beginning of the series his mom is in an abusive relationship that's really awful and you sort of learn more about it but at one point uh, Percy's stepdad tells his mom um, that blue foods don't exist which is not true but it becomes sort of like an inside joke and so she keeps making blue food and keeps finding more of them and so as the sort of as that evolves, the fandom got very attached to it. So Percy's favorite color is blue, and he's the son of Poseidon. There's lots of, like, ocean themes and all that. So for our watch, we I went to Target <laughs> with a good friend of mine who was so patient um, <laughs> and <laughs> walked up and down the aisles, and I got a pile of blue candy, and we got sprite and dyed it blue and then we got alfredo and we made alfredo and ravioli and dyed the alfredo blue and then my pride and joy was that i made a cake and dyed the cake blue dyed the frosting blue and made a whole little picture on the cake um and there's another joke in the third book where they're at the hoover dam and there's a character who's um like older she's like a semi like immortal and she doesn't understand how like damn the noun and damn the like expletive are the same Mm -hmm. so there's this joke that happens and so i wrote out uh i wrote out 18 years in the damn making like percy jackson premiere and it was i (laughs) like it was my pride and joy it was my i'll never top that i peaked with that cake (laughs) um and then we got to eat cake and watch the show with uh, with older spawn and their husband which was very exciting yeah it was great yeah so yeah so we watched as a family too it was lovely yeah it was That's really very fun. cool i mean see this is what stories are about i think about helping us make meaning but also about connection about sh- i mean like that shared meaning right and um something that we can all gather around because it means it ties up emotions and it ties up experiences and it ties up histories and connections all together. I'm so excited you guys had that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially there was an earlier adaptation, um, but it didn't have the support of the author and they made some pretty significant changes. Um, But I think what's also interesting is that, so the author of the books Rick Riordan is very cool, which is kind of Uh, like not to say the authors aren't cool but there are lots of other one you know notable children's book series who has an author who is not so cool Mm -hmm. um and by contrast um rick has really embraced queerness in his stories and not just sort of like talking about it and supporting fans who like headcanon characters as queer or trans but like actively incorporating it so there's another series um that's the magnus chase series um and that's about norse mythology 
Um, and there is a pretty central character in that series, Alex, who's gender fluid um, and is a child of Loki, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm kind of am tempted to fact check that, but I'm 99% sure. Um, and it is actively discussed and it is so beautifully done. Um, and that is just fantastic. You're looking at mythology that has a lot of stuff about gender and orientation and um, he really embraces that and actively, actively talks about it. Um, and then the other cool thing about him that I personally am really like, I really admire as somebody who's interested in going into publishing is that a lot of, so he wrote Percy Jackson and then he wrote this series called the Cain Chronicles, which is about Egyptian mythology. Um, and it's worth noting that this dude was a like middle school history teacher. So that's part of why he has this context. Um, and a bunch of people came to him and were like, Hey, can you write mythology from this place or this culture? Um, and he, as a like white dude from Texas, um, was like, um, no, <laughs> um, and really stepped back. And not only did he sort of actively talk about the process of not being the person to tell those stories, but he created an imprint, um, which in publishing terms is sort of a smaller group within a publishing house that uh, focuses on publishing specific stories. So maybe there's a mystery imprint or a horror imprint within a larger publishing house. Um, so Rick Riordan Presents is an imprint under Disney Publishing, and it is entirely dedicated um, to publishing authors of color talking about their specific culture and their mythology. And it is fantastic. It is so, so cool. Um, and I just think that is like allyship at its absolute clearest and absolute most dedicated and heartfelt. So I think part of the reason the series has really maintained its fan base and maintained this energy is because the creator is really conscious about including everybody in these stories in so many different ways. That is very cool. I did not know that about him. Um, but I'm going to go check out some of those books. So when we go back to Comic-Con, all of us, the next time we go there, they have a book section, if you will, that has all of within the imprint, all of the different authors. I think I might have bought three or four or five <laughs> of those, the, like Storm Chaser. Yeah. Um, that's a, I'm 90% sure, Aztec story written by an Aztec author. Um, and so those kinds of, like, it, it, it's amazing. And they're just there's shelves of them nice and they are often like a duology or uh, three books four books like there's multiple in a series yeah. and that's been amazing that is so cool all right well definitely checking that table out in july okay michaela thank you for being here today yes of course thank you for having me Well, dearest listeners, the teapot is empty and our time is up. Please join us again for more Squee. And if we're really lucky, some actual psychological insight into the world of pop culture. See you next time.